0: Hi everyone and welcome to episode 224 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. There's no Adam today either um, for the intro or the interview because it's one I did it at uh, ALA midwinter a few months ago. Just me. All awkward. I actually totally restarted this because I was super awkward in the first one. We'll see if I actually keep this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love you hearing this now. Fun fact, I, I decided to keep it. Okay, um, so this is an interview, again, as I said I did at uh, ALA Midwinter. It is an interview with author Ariel Lahan, whose latest book, I Was Anastasia, came out back in March. This is the story of Anastasia Romanoff, um, who went missing with her family, the Romanov dynasty, about a hundred years ago. It's actually two stories in one, um... Ariel and I, and I talk about the movie Memento because that's probably the best way to describe how the story is structured. Um, there are two narratives: one moving forward, that is the story of Anastasia Romanov, and then there's one moving backwards, which is the story of Anna Anderson, a woman who appeared on the scene after the Romanovs had been missing for several years and Anna claimed to be Princess Anastasia. She looked like you would imagine Anastasia would have looked, um, grown up to look like. She had information that a lot of people didn't know other than those within the in- inner circle. So she, Ariel took these two narratives and put them together um, in a way where they, they kind of culminate at that point where you find out if Anna was... Anastasia. Um, so we talk a little bit about her writing and both her research process, which, you know, when you're working with narratives like this, especially when one moves backwards, um, takes a little bit of ingenuity as a writer. And so I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Ariel's a lot of fun to talk with. And, um, you know, if you're like me, someone who finds the, um, The lore of the Romanov still to hold even now so many, you know, decades, century later. Definitely go get a copy of her book, Um, I Was Anastasia. If you want to say hi, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. And you can always email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com with any comments. We have our fancy new website, ProfessionalBookNerds.com. Definitely go check that out too. So, yeah, uh, enjoy this episode that I did with Ariel on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. This is Jill. With me today, I have Ariel Lahon, author of The Wife, the Maid, and the Mistress and Flight of Dreams. Her books have been translated into numerous languages and have been Library Read Picks. She's also the co-founder of SheReads.org, and her latest novel, I Was Anastasia, is out in March. Ariel, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. Good. So can you start
1: by giving our listeners an introduction to I Was Anastasia? Yes, and I'm glad you're letting me. I get to practice. There you go. This is my first time talking about it. It comes out in March, so I'm learning. Uh, I Was Anastasia is the story, it's a dual narrative actually, half of the story is about Anastasia Romanov, the youngest daughter of Tsar Nicholas II, and the other half of the story is about a woman named Anna Anderson, who was long believed to be Anastasia's most famous imposter. Mm -hmm. And the question of the novel really is, did Anastasia survive the Russian Revolution? And if she did, is Anna Anderson her? Right. So the novel is told in alternating points of view. Anastasia's goes chronologically forward from the moment the family is captured to that terrible night Mm -hmm. in Ekaterinburg that history tells us Mm -hmm. ended badly. Right. The other half of the narrative is that of Anna Anderson, and hers is told backward from sort of her final moments to the same time that Anastasia lived. And there's a moment at which the two of these storylines collide and you know for certain right. whether or not Anna's claims are true.
0: So I wanted to actually ask you about the, the dual narrative and yes. the structure of the novel because I remember reading in the author's note that Memento <laughs> is one of your favorite movies. Yes. I love that movie. <laughs> it's so weird.
1: <laughs> it's so weird. But I'm a nerd and so, I don't know if you're this way as well, I read a novel or I watch a movie and I try to figure out how they did it. Yeah. And I watched Memento with my husband and we just kind of sat there stupefied at the <laughs> end like... <gasps> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I love that feeling. I've had that feeling a handful of times when I watched *The Usual Suspects*. Yes, that's another one, one. of my all-time favorite. Mine, Kaiser Soze. Yes. Um, when I was twelve, and I read *Murder on the Orient Express*. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, and there have been so many when I read Diane Setterfield's *The Thirteenth Tale*. <gasps> I love yes. that book too. Yes. Oh, that
0: just blew my mind. It's just, you get to the end and
1: you're like, wait, because it makes you rethink everything Every that you have seen or read previously. Read. I love that moment of your head exploding. That I never saw it coming. What the heck just happened? What is going on here? Right. Who am I? Like, <laughs> is anything I've ever believed actually real? Right. Um, and to a certain degree, I like to do that with each of my novels. Just a moment of, <gasps> yeah, what? <laughs> because I think it makes it memorable mm-hmm. and I'm a storyteller right. I want my novels to be memorable so yes memento <laughs> I watched it and I thought and it's, it's not like it hasn't been done before but I thought how would that apply to a novel and the timing was great because I was in the research stage of my novel and I was trying to figure out how am I going to tell this story and so we watched the movie and I'm everything kind of solidified mm-hmm. in my head and then I thought what if because I did a ton of research on Anastasia Romanov and Anna yeah. Anderson as well. I decided to read all of the Anna Anderson or and biographies backward. Oh, that's from so clever! Last chapter to first because I thought I'm not a normal person. <laughs> I love the challenge and I love something impossible. And I thought if I'm going to do this on paper, the only way to properly do that is for me as the author to feel that sense of being off balance as well. Yeah, and to have people. In the narrative, that clearly this character knows and that are important, but you don't know the genesis of their relationship. You don't know when or how they met or why this moment is important. So I uh, I joke that the narrative writing this particular novel was a bit like juggling chainsaws. Only the chainsaws are on fire. <laughs> and you're blindfolded. <laughs> so that is kind of what I did to myself
0: for the sake of a novel. So now I'm curious, did you, when you wrote Anna's Section? Did you yes. write it? How did you, did you write it? Backward. You wrote it backward. Yes. That's, I
1: was trying to. I'm like, how do I phrase it? Okay. You wrote it with, backward. With a few exceptions, like there were things that I knew that I had to solidify first. So there were a handful of scenes at the beginning of the novel um, that I wrote first because they were touchstone moments. Okay. And you had, had to, to have them. In well, place. yeah. There's. You have to work towards something, right. right? To go. Okay. If I can identify these handful of very significant moments in the novel. Lay them out and then work toward them. Mm hmm. It helped me to keep track of what was going on. Because okay. It really is an insane thing to take on. Yeah, for sure. But it's I know. Fun. <laughs> well, that's a really deprived, crazy <laughs> sort of way.
0: Oh, that's, that's, I was wondering about that.
1: Um, depraved. But not
0: deprived that. <laughs> anyway. See the
1: word nerd. Comes there you out go, the word nerd. Word.
0: Yeah. Um, so I want to ask, you know, I don't want to spoil too much for those who, you know, because this story took place, we have new information.
1: Yes, we do. And it um, was not available.
0: At the time, to- right, yeah. at the time that this story is taking place. Um, what do you think, though, it is about both Anastasia on the Romanovs and then Anna Anderson that is just so captivating to so many people, even now, with new information in place?
1: I think, well, it was so tragic. It was such a big dynasty. I mean, we're talking about... We today, you know, 2018, we hear the Romanov dynasty, we think kingdom, but it wasn't a kingdom. This was a dynasty that had ruled for over 300 years. Right. Their empire grew by 55 square miles a day and covered one-sixth of the earth's surface. And so all of these children... Anastasia being the fourth of five. There were four girls and then the younger brother, Mm -hmm. Alexi. They were born into this. And they had no concept of a world that didn't have them on top. A world in which they were basically worshipped. And then everything fell apart, like, in a moment. And I think we're, as a society, we're captured by this... Downfall of such a great dynasty, but it wasn't just the downfall. It's not like they were deposed. Correct. The entire family, and they were deposed. Right. Well, but then they were shipped off. Right. To Siberia for a year-ish. I'm trying to remember my dates. It's been it's okay. a while. <laughs> um, and history tells us this is not a spoiler and, to the novel. History tells us the family faced a merciless firing squad. <laughs> terrible. I'm just so tragic. And it's the tragedy yep. that haunts us, I think, because we, especially as Americans, we're used to our rulers, not rulers, our leaders being replaced every handful of years. We're used to having a say and they don't, they don't get shot. Right, right. Like we don't line them up and take them out yeah. once their time is up. But this was still one of those times in history where that happened and they were children. Right. To a certain degree, you can understand a bad monarch being removed in such a way it's still horrific but you cannot imagine five children
0: well both the children and then not knowing I mean it's like the Princess in the yes. tower too like these children something happened something awful well, happened but you still don't really years. know yeah
1: it was nine years before uh the powers that be would even discuss it mm-hmm. and so in the aftermath of this friends and family and General citizens had no idea. And so rumors, that's really fertile ground for rumors. That is. And in the midst of this, you have a woman, two years after Katrin Berg, who gets pulled from a canal in Berlin. And she's riddled with all these horrific scars Mm -hmm. that are consistent with bullet wounds and bayonets, which we knew were the weapons used. And she won't give her name. She won't tell anybody who she is. And so they ship her off to a mental institution. And two years later is the first time this woman claims to be Anastasia Romanov and then spends 50 years trying to prove it. And so to a certain degree, Anastasia more so than any of the other Romanovs, her memory was never laid to rest mm-hmm. because there was somebody in the present for much of the 20th century saying, it's me. It's me. It's right. me. I survived. Right. And people had to wonder. For sure. And there was an uncanny resemblance, and she knew so much, and she behaved in many ways exactly the way you would expect an Anastasia who had suffered those things right. to behave, Right, and people didn't know, and we want happy endings. Right, no, we do. We are hardwired for it, um, and I think all of those things blended together and created an icon created mm-hmm. a legend. Yes. And that is what we have come to know. And now of course there's the animated movie and there's oh. the musicals. Yes. And she lives on. That she does. legacy has never died. Right. That's yeah. Uh the movie. I love that animated movie.
0: <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> so Because there was, you know, this period of time where there was so much rumor about what happened to them, how did you kind of balance your
1: research in in terms of how you did research Mm -hmm. and then what to include in the book? For Anastasia's part, it's, oh man, (laughs) researching the Romanovs is, that's a lot of information. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much. I read like a dozen books before I realized, holy cow, Ariel, you have to focus on 18 months worth Mm -hmm. of time. I could spend my entire life reading nothing but Romanov novels and never get through them. Or biographies, I mean. And so I had to focus on a specific amount of time. I had to know what happened to that family during the last 18 months of their lives. And that was where I kind of did a laser beam focus. And then for Anna Anderson, there's a whole lot less written about her, but it's really fascinating. Very fascinating stuff and I focused on 50 years worth of her life. Combining the two together, however, I decided to only include things that would have been pertinent to people in their time. Okay. So, at the time, there was no facial recognition software, there was no DNA, there was, there was none of that. You had what was in front of you. And I wanted people to be confused. I wanted the reader to be presented with the same information as their contemporaries were and to try to sort through everything given what was in front of you it was really fun for me it's anyway. like a puzzle then kind yes. of <laughs> every novel's a puzzle you every <laughs> put it together every like you do the edges first and you work your way in <laughs> it's an interesting way of
0: putting it mm-hmm. <laughs> oh so um changing gears yes i i was looking at your website and um you have a reading journal where you keep up to date on what um, you read, yes. which is so fun. And I noticed it. I mean, do you, I know you had the Outlander series. Do you read a lot of other historical fiction
1: as a historical fiction writer? Historical fiction is my favorite. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I cannot read it while I'm writing it. Um, partly because it just makes me want to quit. <laughs> Everyone else is so good. And I think I need to throw in the towel. This is hopeless. Um, I have lost my mind. <laughs> So I will read lots of thrillers, lots of mysteries, contemporary, lots of, li- I mean, just anything. YA, fantasy, everything, Okay. while I'm actually writing. And then when I hit the editing, revising, researching for next novel stage, I'll go back to historical.
0: Okay. Do you have any favorite series or historical fiction books for oh our listeners <laughs> should read? <laughs>
1: All of them. <laughs> be narrow it a little bit. Uh, okay, <laughs> I love Diana Gabaldon. I love Susanna Kersley. I love, um, like I said, Diane Setterfield and The Thirteenth Tale, Water for Elephants. Um, I have on my nightstand right now a stack of them. Uh, Shadow of the Wind. Um,
0: <laughs> that's a okay. great. No, that's
1: a great story I, well told.
0: I put you on the spot there. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, it's I. It's always, so historical fiction is one of those things where you can find historical fiction about pretty much any period, mm-hmm. time period. Yes. You can find multiple books about any time mm-hmm. period.
1: And it creates an interesting challenge for someone who writes it, because you go, well, has it been covered? What else could I add? It's not like the Romanovs haven't been right covered. There are endless biographies, <laughs> endless novels. What I hadn't found was something that covered Anna Anderson. Right. She's such a fascinating figure that so few people know about at this point. And I was really curious how, how her story would unfold right. when contrasted against Anastasia's. Woven together and then asking the reader to decide, is she, isn't she? Right.
0: I knew better. I think it was my mom. I think there was a movie that came out a while back, possibly. Uh, there was one, Ingrid Bergman. Yes, that one. Yes. So I had, I'd watch my mom legs and I'd watch so it. Ingrid I, Bergman I, makes a small cameo <laughs> in the book. Okay. Um Yeah, it's just, the whole story of Anna Anderson and Anastasia is just, because again, y- you had to take her on her word. And if she looks like it and she presents herself.
1: And there were countless extended family members and people within the Romanov's inner circle that looked at Anna Anderson and said, oh, my God, it's Anastasia.
0: Because, again, they want that same happy ending that everybody yeah, else does. And,
1: and they worked tirelessly on her behalf for her entire life. And you have to look at them and go, they knew Anastasia. They're not crazy. They're right. These are intelligent, thoughtful people. So if they say it's her. Yeah. yeah. So it's it was really fun. Really hard, but very fun to put together.
0: Um, Okay, so um, again on your, I think it was in your author notes, you mentioned Mm -hmm. your big Stephen King. You went through a Stephen King phase. Yes, Yes. He's one of my absolute favorites. Um, Do you still read him? I do. I have
1: his JFK novel on my nightstand. I begin it when I get back. I have been saving it.
0: You know, I I had a conversation with another writer um, just the other day about this. See, there's just something about Stephen King, because whenever... I have these interviews Mm -hmm. and talking to authors about influences. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what genre they write right now, Stephen King is always named as... His name pops up more than any other Mm -hmm. as an influential author. That's
1: interesting. I think he has, innately, this is just my take on many, many, many years (laughs) of reading him He has innately mastered the single most important element of storytelling, the fight between good and evil. Mm -hmm. And because of the content, he writes horror novels. So it's so clearly displayed on the page, good versus evil. And again, the things that we're hardwired for as human, we want good to win. We want evil to fail and the nuance of how he does that. How many novels now? 50? How many have you written? I I don't even know anymore. (laughs) Um, And every single time, he brings that to the page. And of course, he's just an incredible storyteller and an incredible writer. Yes. And he makes you care about people. And he, as a horror novelist, I think his biggest gift is he can take the most mundane thing and make it terrifying. Mm -hmm. He turns the family dog into a (laughs) monster. Or your car. You can get run your over course. by your car. Oh. oh, my gosh. Your car can try to kill you. Or your girlfriend. Or, or your, your child. Sure, or yeah. whoever else is in it that it happens clown, to be jealous of. I mean, yes. A clown. Oh. Um. Pet cemetery. I know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. The countdown in pet cemetery. Yes. Four days, 12 hours until Gage dies. And you're like, yes. what? Um. he's It's masterful. He could make McDonald's terrifying. He probably could. He probably will at some he point. Will. He's going to take you him will. out of business. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in, in my author's note, one of the things I talk about is how I love his author's notes. Mm-hmm. They're always... They're so good. They're so good, and I have always read them first. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I bet you there are other people out there just like me, but if you read my author's notes, you will get spoilers. You stuff. will get... And I know this because I've twice now had people go, oh... I wish I hadn't read your author's notes first. I know everything that
0: happened. And I thought, I have to nip this in the bud. I know. it's what. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, talking about this. We can talk about it off the record. Because there's, like, things you don't want to say because... Spoilers.
1: Spoilers, Of course. (laughs) Spoilers. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to clarify. Because people get to the end. And they're either going to email me the questions, which is fine. Please do. Or I can give them to them in the author's note. And I try really hard to clarify what is fact and what is fiction. When Mm -hmm. you write about historical people, there are all kinds of pitfalls, not the least of which these people have family members, they have friends, there are extended relations still alive. And I think it's important to honor those memories and to honor history and to honor the truth and to explain very clearly to the reader, this is fact, I did not change it, this is where I took creative license. Um, But if people read that up front... Then it takes something away from the it reading does. experience. So, you know, as a writer, was that difficult for
0: you to take on, especially a character like Anastasia, who, I and mean, she's a real person, but she has such a legend around her mm-hmm. to, to write her mm-hmm.
1: as a character? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because occasionally I think, Ariel, how would you feel if a hundred years yeah, from now somebody decided to step into your skin? Mm hmm and put thoughts in your head and words in your mouth? Would it feel like you've been violated? Would it feel fair? Would it feel true? And that's a really sobering thing. Um, so with Anastasia, I did what I had tried to do with all of my novels, is stick to what I can verify. Times and places, letters, correspondence, um, and over and over and over in the Romanov biographies, people were really Consistent about what her personality was like. And so I felt, if nothing else, I was staying true to the Anastasia that has been recorded by history. But it's still really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, when you sit down and you have to put words on paper, you have to make a person come alive. And that is the point at which you go, you know what? I have to do my job. Right. And since I am unemployable otherwise, my one job is to tell a story. And then you have to try and find her voice, Um, and I think that was probably the hardest part. That was harder by far than finding Anna Anderson's voice. So we are sitting in the middle of a library conference. Were you a library user when you were little? I was. I was. Um, My, actually, this is one of the things I'm going to talk about in a little bit. My family um, lived in Taos, New Mexico, out in the middle of nowhere, in the boondocks, 20 miles from the nearest light pole or... Run, source of running water. So we lived out in the middle of the country. We don't have any electricity. You don't have a, tele- or a television. So we read. And we read and we read. And my mother would take us to the library. And I remember from my earliest days walking in there and listening to the floors squeak and listening um, to the hushed whispers and the smell of old books. Mm-hmm. I am a book sniffer for life <laughs> because of libraries. And I uh, absolutely fell in love with books in our local library. I fell in love with reading in that library. I think I actually fell in love with a person for the first time as well. I was 12 years old. <laughs> um, he was older. Never noticed me. Never knew I existed. But dark-haired Canadian. Mm. His name was Gilbert Blythe. What?
0: Yes. Come on. That was his name and he was Canadian? No, you knows the book. The book. I fell
1: in love with the book oh, and the person got in the it. book. I
0: was like, wait, what?
1: No, I just... To <laughs> me, he was absolutely real. He may has well no, have I get been it. there. Oh, I get it. Um, that was very well played there. Thank you very much. For the record, I asked my husband once um, who his first love was, and he told me Daisy Duke. And that pretty much sums up our marriage, in case you were curious. <laughs> so that's us. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, I... Actually, I've got four boys now, and so we go to the library, they have their library cards, we go in, they're all interested in really, really different stuff, and so it's fascinating to let a child loose in a library Mm -hmm. and to see what they come up with on their own. So, I don't know, we'll see what they're going to be in the end.
0: (laughs) All right, so at the end of every interview, we have something we call the Nerd Nine, Yes. which are nine light and easy questions, Mm -hmm. don't put too much thought into them. What was the last book you finished reading?
1: Uh, I just re- finished rereading *Time Traveler's Wife* by Audrey. It's a good one. That's the only one that plays with narrative structure. And yes, and it's. I just
0: I, I can't even I can't even talk about it without weeping. Yes, so. I yes that book may yes I fully understand. <laughs> um, favorite book of all time.
1: Favorite book of all time. Oh, uh, you know this is very common, but I'm gonna have to go with it. *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe* by C.S. Lewis. Favorite place to read? Favorite place to read
0: is On My Couch. Place you would like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? New Zealand. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Cats or dogs?
1: Dogs, but we have a cat. It was a bad idea. It's a long story.
0: (laughs) I'm a cat person. I feel like I need more information (laughs) on that one after. Um, Coffee or tea? Coffee. Favorite food? Favorite food. Hatch cream chilies. And if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? My father's mother. She died when he was 16 and I never met her. That's a good answer. So finally, what yes. would you like readers to take away from I Was Anastasia? Um,
1: I want them to be curious. I love mysteries. I grew up reading mysteries. I grew up reading Agatha Christie. I want them to be pulled in and to not know and to surrender to that feeling of not knowing the way that the contemporaries did at that time, trying to figure out whether or not this woman was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And of course, I want them to be amazed at the end. Ariel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun.
0: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.